So, this is our last class in this series called What is the Bible? Uh, Becky, Kim, and George, who's not here, traveling with family. And, uh, we've enjoyed this series, and we, I think we've done a fairly decent job at kind of taking you on a journey through, um, through the Bible and how we read the Bible and how we understand what the Bible is and perhaps what it is not. And hopefully, as we said in the first class that we had, that those of you that have been here for multiple of these classes have left feeling like ready to like really engage with this sacred text in a new and refreshing way. So I think that's the, that's the goal. It's for us to be people who um, look at this thing that we know as the Bible and uh, let it be a part of our lives in a new way. And so um, I've enjoyed this series and I, and I can't wait to, we're just going to kind of kind of overview, not overview, but look at a couple more things before we say goodbye to this. But this book that we've used is a book by Rob Bell. It's called What is the Bible? Um, and it's a wonderful book. We've skimmed it and we've used other resources and our own experiences to kind of help cobble together this class. But if what we've talked about has mentioned you, I would encourage you to perhaps get the book yourself and read through it and wrestle with it and then go on your own journey as we all hope to better understand this text. Um, anything you want to share as we before I get into the thing? You want to be like a little shout or no? A shout out? No? No? It's good? Okay. All right. Or is it just like our Just songs? anything. Yeah, just anything. Because I'm going to, before yeah. I... What? Can you finish up before you... No. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess, I think it is a good book to read. I, I was a little, just, I didn't understand what I was reading, because especially as someone who um, went to church, grew up in church, you know, college, you know, kind of wrestled... In my mind, thought I'd wrestled with a lot of the stuff. Because you were a Bible major, right? Bible major. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't trust me. Um, not at all. But uh, yeah, so it uh, it was very. I did enjoy reading it. The first time I was just kind of like, mm, "Is this really good? Are y'all gonna like it?" Because I, I was in that mindset a lot. But just like now that we're at the end and we've you know, been through all this and everybody's kind of presented it and talked and. I think the big thing that what I got from it is listening, well, for the people who have been here the majority of the time, I really enjoyed listening to what you all have had to say and your thoughts, especially not having read it and just going off of our little classes. And so um, for those people who have been in the class, you know, this whole semester, I think you should read it so you can take in a little, you know, you can have a little bit deeper level. Um, of what Rob Bell is talking about. Because there's plenty of times when, I know when I was presenting, I was like, oh, this, it wasn't important to me, so we'll just skip over that. Um, so there was, yeah, there was so much that we left out. So I definitely would recommend you guys checking it out. Because it is a good read. It's, and don't, re like, don't do what I did and just go in like, oh, don't be skeptical of it. Like, oh, this is not going to be that beneficial because it was extremely beneficial. Or you can't go into it. Like or you that. can, yeah. And just still kind of 
do do the do the thing. But I think at some point you got to like yeah, 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 step yeah. back and realize like this isn't really he's he's giving you some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, and I and, and it's just a just a endorsement for reading if you're not already a reader outside of what you do for school or for work or whatever that looks like. I encourage all folks to be readers because. This is a very cliche statement, but I think it's a true statement that readers are readers. And um, those that read are better for it. And yes, I mean, that includes fiction and it also includes nonfiction. So if you lean heavily to fiction, you know, read a nonfiction book every now If you lean heavily to nonfiction, read a fiction book every now It's good to uh, do that. And not like, Sure, Audible's fine, but I think there's something to you like tangibly. Like I'm a like holding the actual book. There's something about that to me. Um, but if you're into the tablet thing or into Audible, that's fine. Any of that's fine. I'll give that a pass. But if you can like getting an actual book and actually sitting with that book, everything from the Bible to the nonfiction to the fiction book, like do that. Make that a part of your life and be. Uh, <coughs> and this is where it starts. It starts when you're in college and when you're a young adult and you're starting to practice because if you think of like, oh, well, I'll do it once I, you won't. You won't. <laughs> I mean, you've met people who are older who don't read at all and look at how dumb they are. <laughs> can, I, can I just say yeah, something? I've really appreciated this class this semester. I've loved getting to know you guys. I've loved uh, hearing your opinions. Uh, one of the things I've loved about this class is uh, the discussions and y'all talking to each other and kind of overhearing some of the discussions and some of the debates and some of the differences of opinion. And I love that because we can um, we can understand that there's more than one way to look at such a complex um, uh, word from God that has been interpreted and been written down by people and passed down for generations and thousands of years. So. Um, I've just appreciated that we can all still get together and worship together and love God together even when we don't agree. Yeah. So. Oh, and so and then a couple preview statements. Uh, so we'll end today. We'll be the last of this. Then we won't have any more classes. Then in January, um, we will, the first three Sundays in January, there will be probably one or two shepherds that will, that will lead our class. And they'll be leading all the classes. And they'll probably break up. There'll probably be some post-college 20-somethings in our in our grouping, I'm imagining, because they'll probably do it like college, post-college. It's probably like 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever. That's what they did last time. I don't know how they'll do it this time. But anyway, in this space, there'll be two shepherds that will lead the class uh, for the first three Sundays. Then on the fourth Sunday of January, we'll have something called Seek First. And Seek First is essentially a ministry fair, and there'll be a booth set up of ministries that are here locally, like in within the walls of Otter Creek, so children's ministry, youth ministry, hospitality ministry, college sewing, ministry. sewing ministry, <laughs> all of this, all the different ministries that are part within the walls of Otter Creek, and there'll be ministries that we are connected to that happen outside of the walls of Otter Creek. So if you're thinking like, I know for 2019, I want to be more involved in some kind of ministry, whether it's within this church, the walls of this church, or it's outside in the city of Nashville, the last Sunday of January is going to be the perfect time 
for you to like find something to really get find and get connected with. And it's awesome, and that'll be what that Sunday during the 10 a.m. Um, hour, mm -hmm. not hour, 45 minutes. Yep. But the tables will be around like the whole morning, the yes. whole Sunday. But yeah, and then in February, we'll start a new series. George Goldman and I will lead something called The Gospel According to the Office. And so we'll watch <laughs> Office episodes and we'll talk about Jesus. So it'll be a wonderful time. So if you want to, if you're curious about which episodes will they show, well then you should come in February. And then we'll do that February and March. And then in April and May, we'll do something called Conversations, which I've led in here before. And we'll have a panel and we'll have topics and people will get low-key hurt feelings and want to fight each other. And it's so delightful. Um, I love it because I'm an eight and I love conflict. So I love just sitting up here and watch people argue. It's just wonderful to me. Now that, and I see people like stressing out and sweating because they're like, there's so much tension in here. So that's in the spring. Woohoo! And I got some great topics. It's going to be, oh man, it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, that's what I'll share with that. Okay, today, a little bit. What is the Bible? So the first thing is, you know, we asked uh, last week, we talked about some of the best questions you could ask when you're looking at and thinking about the Bible. Another great question is, why did people write this down in the first place? Great question to be asking. And so if you've never thought of that question, maybe as you're reading through the Bible, and you're reading particular texts, a good place to start perhaps is, why did people write this down in the first, in, in the first place? And then another great question would be, why did this passage endure? Because I think we, we, it gets lost on us like before they wrote the things down, everything was done orally. So they shared the stories, they shared the happenings, they shared the things orally to each other. So we would have been telling you all the story, then you would have told your families and friends, and then those families, and then that's how it happened. And then something happened and said, you know what, we should write this down. And then there were wars, and there was famine, and there were all sorts of crazy things that happened. But yet, they make sure that these passages, that these texts, that these writings endure. So why? Why? That's a great question to be asking. Why do these passages endure? Or I guess another, uh, some other great questions is, why is this still around thousands of years later? Why? Ooh, I mistyped that. Why did people protect and preserve it? Why did people literally risk their lives to reproduce and distribute this library of books? So the first thing I want you to do is to turn to your neighbor and I want you to um, talk about these questions. And I, want you to, and I want you to talk about like, have you ever asked these questions? If you have, what have you come up with after asking these questions? How has this been helpful to you? If you've never done this, you know, are you excited to do this? Are you a little nervous to do this? Kind of all the things that may happen when you think about these questions on how we kind of interact and read the Bible. So turn to your neighbors and or neighborettes. I think that's just hilarious. Uh, so yeah, let's see uh, see what we come up with. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
Let's see what you've got. Uh, we'll start over here. We'll wrap around. So what did y'all talk about? Here we go. It's good. This group? Are you part of this group? Which group? Okay. Uh, we mostly talked about, well, I talked about how these questions are important for me because I grew up in a very conservative environment where those questions were never asked. And so, once I started asking those questions in high school, it was really important for my spiritual and just like individual formation. And there's a reason why I ended up coming to Lipscomb instead of a different school. And, yeah. So, basically, I wouldn't be here without this. Yeah, it's <laughs> good. It's good. Anything else? Cool. Huh? Um, well, we just said, you know, obviously, this passage, uh, uh, Elijah kind of talked about they saw, or people wrote it down, saw it being lived out, so, you know, they're more willing to throw down their lives for it than I think we would be today. Um, but also, you know, we hear these words, and to, to some people it's just like, it's a, another book, it's a story, but, you know, we've grown up, we've seen these things happen, so, um, you know, it's just from generation to generation, different people like like us who see this and believe it and live it out, um, it just keeps getting passed on, and, and it's like, there's a story in the Bible, I can't remember what it is, but there was a Jewish elder who said, you know, if this movement is of God, it will last. And so, if it's, uh, it's what? Acts 5. Okay, thank you. Um, so, like, you know, if it's of God, it's going to last no matter you know, what happens. Okay. It's good. This, this group? Yeah. Um, I kind of talked about from the different Bible classes and history classes I've taken that history of how stuff was written down. Mm -hmm. And how it, for our scripture started when the Jews went into exile in Babylon, and that's when they started writing down the scriptures, and then that's when you see rabbis and synagogues being formed, and you get the commentaries, so you get, so by the time you have Jesus and first century Christians, they've already been trained to write this down because they've been in exile. And then you have Christians who are Jews who have this mindset of for when we are in exile, we have to write this down. And that's when books were kind of invented, which made them much more easy to reproduce and cheaper and everyone could start. Not everyone could get one, but a lot more people could have books than they could have scrolls. Sure. Sure. And then Anna, oh, I talked about this to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never actually seen that TV show. I hear it's really good and really sad. And it And from what I can tell of what it's about and just what I know of it, there's a reason everybody likes it, and it's because it's us. And yeah. we really like stories that make us feel like we matter. And I think that's what the Bible is, because it's God coming to his people and reminding us through your mind. That's good. That's good. Okay. That's good. What you got? Uh, I, can, I think I can almost feel like you have to think about the Old Testament and New Testament differently. Okay. Because... The Old Testament was kind of a history, you know, of like like the Jewish people. So so of course they would pass that down, you know, orally until eventually someone wrote it down. But then like like at least you know personally, I think of the New Testament as the reason it is survived so much is because it it connects to each of us and the message is so unique, you know, especially for um, for the time when it was written and to the people. Uh, this sort of you know nonviolent message 
was so different from what they were expecting, and and that still to this day and forever will stand out as unique among um, you know among writings that we have. So cool, it's good. Anything else from here? It's good. All right, um, read these passages: Psalm thirteen, Psalm ten, Psalm forty-three, Psalm eighty-three. And as you read these passages, as we've talked about these questions, I want you to. Ask yourself those questions that we just posted up here. Why, why would these psalms endure? What do they, how do they connect us and speak to us even now? So read those passages with your group. You can go in your group, you can read them together, and then kind of share what you think happening in these and how they connect and relate to us today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright. So just kind of share with me uh, what did you what did you what did you think about those songs? Have you read most of those before? Go ahead. I think, uh, I think these psalms are kind of reminding us that we're playing a long game here, um, and, and that uh, like God's going to kind of pull through for us in the end, but it doesn't really feel like that all the time, um, and so a lot of these psalms feel like people are crying out to God because they're feeling persecuted, or they're feeling like He's not with them, or they're feeling like it's not really going their way, and I think that um, that's one of the cool things about the message of the of the Bible and of the Gospel, which is like that God is working in the world and that He has a plan, and in the end, it's all going to be like worked for His good. But it doesn't always feel like that, and so that might be part of the reason why it's so important in our culture, like the Bible is, because it reminds us that like things might not always feel like they're going our way, but like they're going to go our way or His way. It's one. One agenda for you guys. Sorry. What? Okay. What about this group? What y'all talk about in the song song reading? We mostly read them because they were really long. Uh-huh. We so then, yeah. So as you as you think about them now, what's what's standing out to you in those? We finished on Psalm ten, and I hadn't read it in a while, and it's just it's kind of a bummer in parts. Uh huh. No, it's not kind of. It is a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it talks about the wicked in the first part of it. And, I mean, it's one thing. Not something that we really like to hear because it's very easy to see. At least for me, it's easy to see myself in some of the things it says about a wicked person. And you think a wicked person is like, oh, they're the people who are robbing banks and killing people. A wicked person is someone who doesn't have room in his thoughts for God. And it also says his ways are always prosperous, so I'm like, well, that kind of stinks. If you're not wicked, I guess you're not going to prosper, so darn. <laughs> we didn't actually finish that one. Yeah. Cool. All right, what about you guys? What y'all talked about? What did you discover? Did you even read it? We got to 83 and like, I picked it up and put it in what I did. I feel like it's always testimony. So one of the things that we discussed prior to reading these was the fact that 
the Bible stays constant because mankind has stayed constant. Therefore, the issues that were dealt with 2,000 years ago are still relevant to the issues we deal with today. And I think that you see this through the Psalms because they're written by people um, and about the daily struggles that they go with. Um, and, you know, at one point it says, like, why is my soul, you know, going back and forth? Um, why am I, you know, turning on God? Why are you not with me? And then praising his name. And I think that's just an internal battle that humans go through daily, um, especially when you're trying to follow the Lord because you don't, it's that not seeing him factor. Right. I think that um, we all have a little bit of doubting Thomas in us. Okay. So. Gotcha. We just kind of talked about how like, it's very real and it's very um, relatable to them and also like, respectable to see someone who is blessed so abundantly like David is who wrote many of the songs to know that like even still he struggled with understanding and walking with God um, like many of us do and um, so I, I think it's also good for the Christian eye to see that like many people have this kind of expectation of like if you're a Christian you've got Jesus in you then you're happy and joyful all the time because God's with you and that's that's a standard that you that you kind of fail to meet as a Christian but to realize that like I said like David who was so um, blessed by God and was so close to God still had that struggle and that um, deep like what was it angst or but like towards God um, That's true. is is very um, most comforting in the way ladies do you want to add anything I, I've appreciated these psalms in my life because it's a, almost like permission to be angry at the way things are going. Um, so I think a lot of times when we come to church, when you're going through a hard time, uh, church can be a difficult place because everybody's happy and all the songs are joyful and you kind of feel guilty for not feeling that way. And so I had a minister when I was going through a difficult time recommend that I read the Psalms, and uh, it was kind of my entryway into kind of staying in relationship with God. Um, I couldn't couldn't read other things. I couldn't sing certain songs, but the Psalms were a way that I could still have a relationship with God. I think lament is still acknowledging, God, you're in control of this. I don't understand. I'm angry with you. I'm upset with how this is going, but at least I'm talking to you. Yeah. A faithful response there. So anger, hurt, isolation, revenge, rage, betrayal, it's all there in the Psalms. There's a lot of God is good in the Psalms. And there's a ton of where the hell are you? And that's something that we are not great at. Is dealing with the fact that like these psalmists are crying out to God. Who, who here hasn't dealt with those things? <laughs> Right? We've all been angry. I mean, Psalm 83. Good Lord. Make them like tumbleweed. Cover their faces with shame. I'm sure you've prayed that prayer before on somebody. <laughs> there is there's a heart and should... Oh, What? There's a heart, I wrote this really fast, to these stories, raw and vulnerable humanity, shimmering through these accounts of people wrestling with death, 
and identity and injustice and forgiveness and love. Soul, I think. Soul, yeah. And so you keep reading these stories, asking why people wrote them down in the first place, and then asking why they endured. And so then as we kind of end, um, the things to think about is like, what is this, what does this whole canon of the Bible say about what it means to be human? What do they teach us? about hope and pain and loss and forgiveness and betrayal and compassion. How do these stories help us better understand our stories? And so, um, yeah, hopefully that's what we leave you with, is these questions. I think these are great questions and great ways, and as you're interacting and reading the Bible, and reading Jesus and reading the Psalms, and reading these prophets, is what is it saying about what it means to be human? How can I learn from this passage on what it means to be human? And what does it teach me about love? Because we see love, we see pain, we see loss, we see regret, we see rejection, we see all of that. So then when people say, the Bible can't speak to my human experience about what's happening in my life. Then you say, friend, I don't know if you're actually reading the same Bible that I do. Because the Bible that I read and the stories that I encounter talk all about losing and winning and injustice and fighting for what's right. But also pain and anguish and being pissed off. And asking God, where the hell are you right now? All of this is falling apart. Please, show your face. And if you haven't experienced the wide range of emotions and the wide range of life experience yet, for friends, you will. You will sooner than later. And my prayer is that you don't run from these stories and accounts and texts and, and experiences that we see within the text, but that you run to it and run to community and say, help me make sense of what's happening. I'm not looking for all the answers, but I'm looking for someone to say, me too, this happened. This happened to me too. Um, so yeah, there you go. I hope um, that y'all have a great Christmas. And I don't know what your family dynamics are in the room. But I can imagine in the room, even of this many people, that we have a wide range of family experiences. And some of us will be going home to loving homes full of joy and life and connection and peace. And it's going to be so wonderful for you to be sitting in your home this Christmas. But I also know that some of you are going home and it's going to be challenging. You're going to have to bite your tongue. You're going to have to hear a lot of shame or hate or <coughs> dissatisfaction with maybe what you've done, who you are, who you're trying to be, what you were involved in or not involved in. Some of you are going home in the family dynamics that are not with you 
are a little bit chaotic, and there's divorce or there's separation or there's people who need have yet to forgive one another, and they're all showing up and being in one space together, and it always gets a little bit tricky when that happens. So wherever you're at on that spectrum, and another part of that is like truly loneliness, and you don't really have any one that you feel that connected with. Wherever you're at, I want you to know that I love you in all of those areas. And if you need something, you can always text or call me. And I will do my very best to be there for you. But more importantly, I want you to know that the God that I worship and the God that I pray to is with you in all of that. God is for you. And God is ahead of you. Wanting to pull you forward into something new. And so while this time may be heaven, know that it will pass. While this time is joyful, know that it will pass too. And so, um, yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, if you haven't bought your gifts yet, you should do that. Sooner than later. Sooner than later. That's the message to myself. <laughs> but let me pray and uh, we'll be done. Eat some donuts and meet each other. God, thank you again so much for this day, for this time together. For everyone in this room. I pray for peace. I pray for love. I pray for hope. I pray for grace. I pray that not only they receive good gifts of connection and of family and of friends and of rest, that they also give. They give freely of their time, freely of their energy, freely of their love to family, to friends, to neighbors, to strangers. Pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Mm-hmm.